Good day, everyone. It's uh, Ben Robert from Mighty Bushcraft Adventure for another exciting show. Today we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, or at least you've ever seen how many I own, <laughs> watercraft. Uh, a few you got to my cabin a little while ago and seen what I have, and they made a lot of fun of it. Um, but the fact is, yeah, watercraft, it is spring. The water levels here in Nova Scotia are still not too bad. Uh, and I'm definitely, and I notice a lot of other people are really starting to post a lot of like their trips and stuff. And I'm really getting a bug to get get canoes, kayaks, and stuff into the lakes and the rivers. So I thought it would be the perfect time for me and Robert to get together and have a little chat about watercraft and what it means to bushcrafting and and uh, all the different aspects to it. Because I think. You, we could make a whole series off watercraft alone, and we're going to try and capture as much of this one show as we can and see where it leads. Uh, Robert's just tying up a few loose ends, and I think I have thumbs up that he's good to go. We are good to go, more or less, anyway. And, I mean, um, I know we've done a little bit on watercraft in the past, but I, I like you said, it's one of those things. It's definitely not a bad idea to revisit it, uh, brush up on some stuff. It's It's a big topic uh like you said yourself you're very ex yeah you're very experienced in the subject i'll toot your horn a little bit for you there ben um and i mean you're passionate about it and as you said it there's always new information there's always more to talk about we could probably do an entire series on this like you said so i don't think we're hurting anything by reapproaching it again good time of year to do it like you said starting to see them out everywhere Although, yes, I have a fair bit of experience. It's, it's all from the School of Hard Knocks, and I still get things pointed out to me all the time that I'm, I'm not doing necessarily right or that I'm using the wrong file for the application. Because, to be honest with you, and anyone who's, who's ever been out with me and seen I come by this stuff by hook and by crook, and I, and I get the stuff wherever I can, and I'm cheap. Uh, not unlike yourself there, but, <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, some of my paddles literally came off the side of the road. Like somebody was throwing them out and I said, oh, geez, that still looks like it's got life to it. So just start with paddle types that you get and I use whatever I can get. I can get something my hands on it. I'm going to use it. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, if it pushes the boat, I'm more than happy to use it. So there's tons to learn. If you think you know everything about boating, then, well, A, I'd love to hear about it. But B, I think you'd be surprised to know how much there is left to learn. And uh, even, like, from from types of environments, every river has its own personalities and stuff, and lakes and ponds and ocean is totally different. If anyone uses the lakes and goes out of the ocean, we'll get for some surprises, right? And vice versa. There's, there's, there's a difference the other way. So, what do you think we should start with? There's some... So, my idea for what it's worth, Ben, and I, and I know some of it's the same as you, I want to talk about some safety and things like that, but I had an interesting idea, and I'm going to kind of pry some of your experience and knowledge out of you, and I'm going to ask the question, because I've asked you this a hundred times, and we might as well, you know, have this little discussion while people are listening... What do you look for in a watercraft? And I know the first thing you're going to say is it depends on what you're going to use it for. I understand that. But if you were to go buy a kayak, what are things you're looking for that the average person may bypass? Because I know, like, um, 
we all want something that we're going to be able to carry and, you know, get through the woods and stuff like that. But what, what are some of the little nuances? Because I know you've explained a lot of them to me, and I had no idea to look at it. First thing, absolutely first thing I look for is a boat can handle the load I am taking. Uh, so it's really easy to think, I don't need a boat this big, or I don't need this, or I don't need that. But sit down and really think, what am I going to, to take? in this in this this watercraft and make sure that it's capable of carrying that because you can easily go out and buy an eight foot kayak with a 200 pound rating and say oh i don't weigh 200 pounds i'm fine but if you're going to take your 200 pound self and your life jacket and your paddle and your dog and your 50 pounds of camping gears it might even float when you leave uh problem is it won't take any bad weather. It won't be long and we'll be upside down and wondering what the hell happened. So I also like to have a safety factor. Anything I do, I like to have a bit of safety. So take a, a good look at what you're planning on doing and make sure that at very minimum it can handle weight. Then, then I look at where do I want to go um, to make sure that it's capable of that type of water. Um, once I've gotten those two concepts more or less narrowed down, then I worry more about you said the weight of the of the uh, the boat itself because uh, the difference between a 35 pound and a 45 pound and a 65 pound boat is a lot, especially if you're going a long distance. Like it's one thing. If you're throwing up in the back of your truck and dumping it out right beside the water, which is kind of classically what I always considered uh, when I was looking into a canoe or kayak. And then you, like I said, you, you kind of are like, well, what if you want to carry that somewhere between two spots? And I had never, you know, it's always kind of been there. And I'm like, oh, if I can carry it from the truck to the water, great. But I never really thought about trying to drag it through the woods or through brush or, you know, over rocks. And it, it wasn't. A priority in my head for my thought process which i'm ashamed to admit until you had mentioned it and i mean it was kind of something that i really had to sit back and really think about you know what i mean and, and even like i sh we did an episode or a show if you look back in our, our library you'll see it somewhere i'm pretty sure we of the cart we made uh, and that's a great little cart it has a lot of advantages. It works very well, but it's not perfect. And the first thing is if you're going through thick brush, I don't care what kind of part you got, it's going to get tangled up. It's going to be hard to work like a dog. Um, so you have to think about it. Even with say, oh, I'll get a cart. That's to help with that extra weight. Is where are you going? Cause if you're going through thick brush, if you want to do opiatic or Tangiers, or if you want to do one of these wilderness areas and you're going to be maybe blading your trail for part of it or trying to find trails that are only done five, six times a year, the cart may not even be worth it. It's the weight it is to take. Because if you're only going to get to use it for a few feet, it's a lot of lugging around. It's taking up space on your, on your boat. It's taking up weight and space that you, you can't really afford to use. So you really want to consider stuff like I think. Um, so yeah, those are 
some of the things, I, mean, I ended up a lot of topic here, but those are some of the things I would look for. First, make sure it can handle what you're finding and taking. Make sure that it can handle the water. Make sure that it's light enough then that you can do what you want. And, and after that, and a huge thing is what, what are you most comfortable with? Because there's a reason there's sit-in kayaks, there's on kayaks, and there's canoes, and there's hybrids of, of all those. And funny enough, when you're mentioning the types of kayaks, somebody had mentioned to me today that uh, Prince's Auto actually has a kayak on a hot buy section. And it was another thing I wanted to get your opinion on. And I haven't told Ben anything about this prior to right this second. So what I did do was I pulled it up. That's what I was just doing in the background as it popped into my head. You were talking about different types. This is a rigid paddle fishing kayak. Now, I I don't know what these paddle-type kayaks are like. Uh, It's supposed to, let's see, it's 10 feet long, PVC with aluminum frame, uh, rudder and swivel rod holder, weights 102 pounds. Now, at 102 pounds, is that too heavy, Ben? Because I know some of the ones you have, they're nowhere near that kind of weight. No, um, so, uh, is Gary on here? Uh, I don't see him there right now. So Gary Lynch, a buddy of mine, he has, uh, I think it's Sidestream is his. It's, it's a fairly expensive version of this type of thing. Uh, and it is awesome for what he uses it for. It isn't choice if he's going to be doing four timing. It's he's going with a larger boat. Uh, I, I feel confident in saying that because I've chatted with him about this and we've discussed it. His ways ballpark around the same with his paddle drive system and the, the kayak itself. He figured he was around the 90-pound range. So it's it's fairly heavy, but it's also extremely stable. So if you're going in open water and you're not portaging, that's probably an excellent rate. I don't know what's its capacity. It didn't really say on that too much, and... It's- Welcome to the show there, Steve. Thanks for uh, popping in. Um, I, I'm getting it too there, Ben. Your audio and video are really blocky, choppy. I was kind of going through the background to see if it was on my end, but I, I don't... I've tried eliminating some stuff, and I don't think it is. I don't know if you're maybe mm-hmm. getting a little out of the range of your internet there or what the deal is. I should be more or less directly there, so... <clears throat> but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for the rating on this thing, it didn't really offer a whole lot of uh, information on it. Like, even the, there's no reviews. The questions and answers are not great at this point. Uh, somebody has actually asked what the weight capacity is of this kayak with absolutely no nothing there. Uh, without literally downloading and reading the manual, uh, which apparently doesn't work off the website. So, uh, what you see is what you get on that pen, unfortunately, dude. That's, that you know is, what I know. That is very unfortunate. And uh, I don't know what to say to that. That's now, what I mean. I, I can't even find a specific brand name to it. I assume if I went in and looked at one, I'd be able to get a little bit more information off it, of course. But it's uh, it, it's unfortunately a little frustrating when you're looking at something online like this. And they leave out a lot of that important information, which was what you were just mentioning. And it's the very easily overlooked stuff, which, like I was saying at the start, I, I never would have thought to look at some of that stuff. I would have been like, oh, kayak, great. Paddle, great. And off I would have went, you know what I mean? But um, 
yeah, there, there's quite a bit more to it than that, of course. And, um, but yeah, anyway, I, I just, I guess we can't get a, a real good answer on that because we don't have enough information to get a real good answer on. So there went my great idea, but, uh, well, there are a lot of advantages to that. And I'm, I know I look a little like, uh, off center here. Uh, I'm just going to see if I can switch to a different camera. So just, we'll continue on. And when I get all set up, hopefully this won't mess you up too bad. Uh, worst case, we'll stop for, well, we won't stop streaming. It'll just take me a second to flip you over to the new camera. But, uh, well, you know what? While you were doing this, prime time, Steve. Uh, Steve did send us over a couple of books, and I just showed Ben before we started. So thank you very much, Steve. Uh, he sent thank us over copies of Bushcraft by, I cannot say that last name, man. Morris... Kohansky? Anyway, there's, there it is for anybody that wants to see it if you're watching the videos with us. Um, I do know the author, uh, and I'm really looking forward to reading this book because, like, I mean, there is, I've already been kind of flipping through it, and there's uh, some really good stuff in there. And, like I said, I know the, the author. I'm excited to read a little bit about it. It's, uh, oh, well, there we go. Okay. I am going to mute you for a second there, Ben. All right. Nope, nope. You're all good. You still got a feedback going through there, Ben. Ooh. Well, that seems to have gotten rid of it, and everything looks great now. Sweet deal. Sorry. I, yeah. I went to a hard connection. We we were having a lot better luck with the uh, the cell phone in the last few episodes, so I stopped using this hard connection. But oh, uh, I don't know what the problem is, because yeah, the last few episodes were great. Um, anyway, we we digress. So yeah, uh, Steve sent us some uh, books there. Really looking forward to it. Once again, thank you, Steve. I'm gonna send Steve out some decals uh, like a big idiot. I forgot them because I left directly from work to meet Steve. But we do have some stuff uh, coming for you there, Steve, and 100% better. Perfect. So it all looks good. Um, so, yeah, we talked about some of those uh, little nuances and kind of getting back to that. Some of the things that you were telling me about, and you said there's different types. There's like there's the sit-on, the sit-in. There's uh, Those are just kayaks. And then there's kind of like the perch-on, which you were talking about, the Gary head, where you're kind of in a seat that's even up a little bit off the deck of it. What's some of the advantages to, like, these different types of kayaks and what – why should you be considering one over the other? Because not none of them are better than the other. They all serve a purpose for what they do. And it, it's not really clear which one is meant for what. Because, I mean, you and I have talked about this at fairly good length as well. Yeah. So, a few generalities. The wider the boat and the lower you sit, the more stable you're going to be. That kind of straight up. So, when you think about like a kayak generally you're sitting almost on the floor in a kayak but some of these sit on tops uh especially and even some of the sit-in ones that have the nicer chairs some of those sit you kind of high up so all of a sudden again your center of gravity is a little bit higher you will notice that it's potentially a bit tippier but they can they they can deal with that with with uh slightly wider so these sit on pedal drives like the one that Gary runs and the one you had just showed up there 
a lot of these are actually fairly wide and very stable. In fact, they're stable enough you can stand in them and fish and do things. Uh, now, I guess I had a question on the pedal drive. My suspicion on that is the pedals control the rear rudder. So basically all you have to do is row forward and you can kind of control your direction with the pedals in the boat. Am I understanding that correctly or is there actually some sort of pedaling system to these? There's a pedaling system. So like a bicycle, you pedal and it it either there's two types that I've seen. There's one type it's like a set of fins that are that move and, and push you through the water. And the other one is just like a little trolling motor. And that's the one Gary has on his, and I assume is probably on this style one. And then there's a little lever on your side. You can just turn it, and that turns the way that that blade is is pointing. And if you pedal backwards, you'll get like a reverse thrust. So is there an so, advantage to looking at these pedal ones versus like actually using a paddle in a kayak that you're aware of? Or is it just another method and to each their own? Well, there's a few huge advantages. If you're fishing, your hands are now free to do a lot more stuff. Fair so, point. See? So, like, if I go fishing with my kayak, because I have a, you know, a, a paddle drive, not a pedal drive, then anytime I want to move from point A to point B, my hands are busy. You know, if, if you watch Gary and he's out fishing, I mean, that's his passion, that's his thing. Gary just just floats along. He's still fishing away, and he's moving and moving at a good pace. So yeah, there's an advantage there, and also like just consider like legs are generally stronger than arms. You can potentially put a bit more power to the water using the foot drive. Now you are limited to the uh, the final output and all that, but uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, apples to apples, they have their, their place and their advantage. Uh, are they, say, as maneuverable maybe as it might be with a with a paddle? I mean, you can really drive a paddle in and turn yourself on a dime. There's a lot of stuff you can do. I mean, just, and uh, you can get in shallower water with a paddle than a pedal drive. Pedal drives hang out underneath the boat a ways. So if you're in shallow water, sometimes you have to disconnect that drive system and actually lift it up so it's out of the way and then go back to a paddle. So, but there's a time and place for it, for sure. Uh, for what me and you are generally here to talk about, backwoods, deep, you know, hitting a few lakes, trying to do like bushcrafting stuff. I think it's not the ideal choice. If you're going to stay on the same lake, the whole time so we have some big lakes here in nova scotia and a lot in, in atlantic canada in general if you're going to be on one lake i think a pedal drive might actually be a really good choice they're generally slightly bigger they're, they're usually pretty stable you can put a ton of gear on them uh and you know you have those advantages they have the two modes of, of, of drive so you have your pedal and your 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 paddle so uh it, it definitely has an advantage there uh, getting away from the that drive, we we talked a little bit like the sit in and sit on. Yeah. Uh, the sit in, you can potentially get a skirt, keep yourself a lot drier in 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 hard weather and stuff. But if you're not comfortable in a kayak, a sit in a sit on one, kind of makes you feel like you can kind of escape it if it tipped. 
easier. You're not going to get tangled up with it trying to get out. Um, and I was going to say, like, my experience on kayaks is solely to uh, a sit-in with no skirt when I was, like, 16 that I found down by the river and took for potentially an on... An on-ass tour? <laughs> I didn't steal it. It was just there. I couldn't find anyone around. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to take this thing for a little ride. And I just went up and down. and I put it back and things are good like that. But, uh, I mean, besides being a slightly mischievous 16-year-old, I used yours. And it was a sit-on. And I yeah. honestly did not get that wet. Like, a little bit, yes. As the paddle is kind of coming over you. But as I got more used to it... And they had like those drip stops and stuff on it. And you explained to me how those worked. And I got into the groove of stuff. I really didn't get that wet on those. I mean, if it was raining, yes, I'm going to get wet. But if it was raining, even in a sit-in, you're yeah. still going to get a little wet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think, like, we were in pretty good weather. You can't really complain about the weather we were out. No, that's great weather. If the weather is decent, they're pretty comparable on that line. Uh, with the sit-in... And with a skirt and all that, you have the ability to go in or in climate weather a little bit potentially uh, drier. I'm not going to say safer because the sit-ons are more or less usually like a sealed tube. So they won't ingest water. Water won't necessarily get into them. Although I've said the story a few times how I sunk one. So they're not perfect. Um, but water actually got inside that one was the problem. Yes, and I fixed that. But with a sit-in one, uh, you really should have some kind of pump or dumping system. And it, even if you do, like you see the guys doing the Eskimo roll where you, you, you go under and you just take your hands and you can flip it back upright. And I can't do that. I've never successfully done that. I don't have a, a kayak set upright for it. And uh, I just haven't really practiced. But... It's a skill in itself, and it's a skill worth learning. Um, but if you didn't have a skirt and there was nothing preventing the water to go in, I can only assume that it, you might get away with one or two flips. But as you do, you're going to take more and more water in each side. And if you don't let it out, that water just adds to the weight in your in your 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 your, your uh, kayak. And what will happen is eventually you'll overweight it with the gear in yourself and now the water you have in. And it becomes less and less stable. Or at least that's my experience with these things. As they get closer and closer to sinking, they become less and less stable, harder to keep upright. And uh, that therein lies your your eventual ruin in the trip. So I don't want to say demise, but that's almost kind of what it sounds like. And therein lies your ultimate demise if you're no good no. with one of these things, which is kind well, of a true point. You can separate yourself from it. Because we mentioned this from the beginning. We were going to talk about safety. In all cases, I am highly going to recommend you wear your, your life jacket, your, your PFD, some kind of flotation device. So if worse comes to worse, you should be able to separate yourself from your boat and float and hopefully get yourself to shore hmm. uh, with or without your boat, uh, preferably with your boat. But, you know, life first boats down the li list. It's not even second, in my opinion. Um, but it's there. It's something, you know, uh, 
So I wouldn't say demise, but it can ruin a trip. Like if you're going. Yeah, that's why and... I said I didn't want to say demise. It sounded too harsh, but kind of like you said, your ultimate ruin. But what we are talking on safety, you have mentioned, you know, personal flotation devices, bailing devices. Um, oh, what was I going to say on that? Gone. Completely Throw gone. Up. Whistle. Yeah, I guess we'll circle around back to safety here in a second. Um, because it's not really specific to any one type. I guess each variety might have some unique stuff. Like you said, on a sit on, you may not need a bailer sit in. You want a bailer canoe. You want a bailer, but, uh, let's, let's back up just a tiny bit, uh, staying on kind of this, this little road here. So we've talked about the different types of kayaks generally. So what's the advantage between a canoe versus kayak? I, I mean, obviously kayak or sorry, a canoe is a little bigger, uh, it's two person, you know, basically out of the box, so to speak, as where if you want a two person kayak, which they do make, I have found one, uh, mm. you have to buy a specific two person kayak. Generally there are one person mode of transportation canoes. You can get two, usually sometimes three, depending on the weight and stuff like that. They'll generally carry a little bit more weight, but what's, what's the real advantage? Like for me, uh, my, I'm more comfortable in a canoe, and I told you that when we first went out in the water, and that's only because most of my experience has been with a canoe. With natural resources, I used a canoe. I've borrowed canoes. Uh, family have had canoes that I've used on ponds and stuff like that, and it was just a comfort thing to me, and that's why I was initially looking for a canoe. But, yeah. I mean, what what's the real... What are the advan pros, cons? You know what I mean? You'd be more apt to give better information. Two. To me, and, and again, there's exceptions to every rule, so you, I have to be a little careful in what I say here, but generally, a canoe can carry a bit more weight than a kayak. Uh, it's also easier to get your stuff loaded in a canoe because it's just a big open space where kayaks tend to be closed-in spaces. There's pockets and there's hatches and there's stuff like that where you can poke your stuff, and those are great, and it's... Uh, it's easy. The, the beauty, I guess, with a kayak is where it is generally a one person. They feel more stable to a lot of people. My wife prefers kayaks. I prefer canoes. I have both. I enjoy both. I, I really do. Um, I've said it before. If you somebody offered me anything, I would take an, uh, a lightweight 12 to 14 foot canoe over anything else. If I had, if, if someone said, you can only have one boat after I finish crying, that's what I would ask for. I would say, <laughs> okay, you need to find me a 13 foot <laughs> Kevlar or carbon fiber stock. <laughs> yeah. Right? If money was no option. Uh, actually, Steve asked a great question there. And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to leave it to you, Ben. Question. Yeah. At what point is some sort of license or certification required for watercraft? I think after you add power. That's pretty much what I thought too. And as you didn't really buy me a lot of time there, but I kind of had in the search engine to come up and from the Nova Scotia boat education website, do you need a pleasure? Actually, I can probably pull this up here and people can read this. So I'm not so yeah, there, do you need the pleasure craft operator card? Uh, and you need education if you will be operating a pleasure craft that has a motor and is used for recreational purposes in Canada. Proof of certification for many of the approved boating courses is applicable. Um, 
So there's no age requirement on that. Take the course, and you can take that course online if that's something you're looking for. You know, get your Nova Scotia boating license. Uh, if you are going to be using a boat for commercial purposes, be it for fishing or uh, guided tours or stuff like that, then you're into a whole other type of certification. Just keep that in mind as well. Uh, even chartering, like, you know, if somebody's paying you to take them from land point A to land point B, technically that's considered some sort of ferrying service. Uh, and just be well, well educated in that. That's not really our realm of specialty, but I figured I would mention it while we were on the topic of certifications. Uh, yeah, people advice at any point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was fairly confident off it. And funny enough, both Ben and I both have our pleasure. Uh, what is it? Pleasure craft operators card. I think is what yeah. it was when I got mine. Now yeah, I, I like that same site you just had up voted. That looks very similar to. Yeah. Mine's a little different. I think mine's in the safe. Um, I'll get you on another question here and I'll actually go take a look. Um, yeah. So, that's canoes, kayaks, I mean, and then, of course, there's the uh, the common, like, you know, aluminum boat with motor, and yeah, that's, mine looks, like I said, a little different than that. Um, but it is boat ed, if anybody is interested in taking that course. So, aluminum boats, I only want to talk briefly on them, because they're not a specialty of either one of us. Uh, generally, once again, as Ben said, the wider the boat, the more stable it is. They tend to be a little bit more stable. They tend to sit a little lower in the water unless you get a flat bottom one, which can be a little finicky in the wind. Uh, and they require either you're going to be oar rowing, which is different from a canoe oar or a kayak oar, which is actually not that bad to row all day, versus you're into heavy oars in a rowboat, which will tire you up pretty quick. So you're probably going to be looking at some sort of power for this device uh or sorry power for this vehicle or you can get into kind of like what i do with the family here which is an inflatable i got a seahawk six put a flat hard bottom in it which was just some plywood uh and i hooked up a trolling motor to it and there is where the question becomes do i need a pleasure operators card to run that boat i have it with me in case but i have heard the argument where it's electric only i do not and if anybody out there is more educated than i am i would love to hear some insight on this uh but for like i said where i already have the card i carry it with me when i go and that that solves the problem you know what i mean i think the problem is like when we read that online there it said motor and a motor is it's an electric motor um and i think that line used to get drawn because say like a 50 amp uh motor is still less than a horsepower i think it doesn't work out to be in all that much power. Uh, a lot of people probably didn't consider it, but that's where it gets finicky because, I mean, we can get nowadays some pretty powerful electric motors. And we know this because there's electric cars, there's electric bikes, there's all kinds of things. You can hit some high speeds with electric power. So I think I wouldn't just go with it because it's electric, but there may be a horsepower kind of rating. And, and maybe, yeah. like I said, for me, I'm going to carry the card. I got it. And I think it's, it's not that expensive either. It's like, what, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Uh, and once upon a time, they offered it for free. But anyway, I digressed a little bit. So let's talk safety. We've talked about the, you know, we've loosely talked about the different types of boats because it is coming up at nine o'clock. We don't want to eat up all our time there. Let's talk about safety. What's some of the good safety items that everybody should consider 
when going into any kind of watercraft. And I'm going to be well, right back, Ben. Um, I think the first thing you want to do is is definitely go on Transport Canada. I think they have it. Uh, and they're going to list out what you legally need to have on your boat. Um, and generally, it's going to include things like a bailing line uh, with a float on it. You're going to want a whistle. You're going to want uh, to a throw rope with a float on it, a bailing system, a whistle. There's probably a few more things in there. You're going to want your 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 PFD. So I'll just catch up because I'm sure you missed something here, Robert. I first off, I suggest looking at the Transport Canada website because I think they they list what you need for every particular boat style, and I'm not going to get it all right. But generally, some some way of bailing out your boat. I mean, you can get pumps, little buckets. I think a throw rope is supposed to be in there. You can buy these kits of Canadian Tire, usually pretty set up. Whistle. Um, you should also, like I said, have your PDF uh, or PFD. PDF. Uh, <laughs> I make PFD. that same mistake all the time. Uh, or some kind of flotation device that meets meets the requirements. Um, over and above that, do take into consideration, like if you're at night, you should have some kind of light. If you're going to be out in the dark, have some kind of light, especially on any water that has a motorized vehicle on it. I was going to say, when you're getting into motorized vehicles as well, there are stipulations on how your lighting is supposed to be once they get over a certain size, I think. After a certain foot length, you need red and green lights. They have to be on a specific size. You have to have a light up high so you can be seen. Once again, read the regulations. But, like, if I'm in Kedji, and most of those lights, they're not allowed to have motorized boats on them anyways. And, you know, I don't know if... I'd rather be outside on here. He might back me up on this. Uh, in the middle of the night, I might very well decide to paddle out and look at the stars or something. And if I don't think there's any motorized vehicles on on the lake, then, then I'm not too concerned with it. But if there is, you definitely want to have a few bright lights or even some, some glow sticks and just stick on the front and back of your boat. Uh, just something that's going to let people know where you're to. The other thing, I did a trip last fall. And it was calling for some pretty shady weather. And we were hoping to do five or six kilometers to a campsite in the evening. We were only going to have a few minutes light before it was dark. And so one of the guys that was coming with me insisted that everyone have uh, glow sticks and have them like physically with you. Because they said if anything happened and someone flipped over and we needed to help find them, we could crack those glow sticks open and, and have them like attached, ready to, to activate or even activate it before we left on your on your life jacket, on your vest, make it easier to find you in the dark. So little things like that, good, good advice. Uh, we definitely had them with us uh, and fortunately never needed them. Uh, but I think having the tools kind of helps eliminate the need the the likelihood you need does that make sense to you no makes perfect sense in all honesty um i i, I just found something very interesting here ben mm. uh backing up to the licenses thing i'm gonna pull it up on the website here 
so you can go to freecourse.ca and you can get a pleasure craft operators card for what looks to be what's that 19 and 9 so 28 dollars what's the difference between a pleasure craft operators card which is what i think i have versus yeah. the pleasure i think it's the same thing from different companies yeah so anyway i i didn't know if there was a, a difference there or not so i think i just answered my own my own question so I think the the uh, boat education one that you got is a little bit more direct. Uh, you can get your card pretty much right away. It's mailed to you and everything is good. Um, and the other one, the Pleasure Craft Operators course thing, is like you, you can do some of it free online. And then you got to purchase your card. Yeah, so there might be a little bit more rigaroo to it. So anyway, that was just something interesting I was digging up as I was looking for my card. We, uh, we did a fair bit of research when we were getting ours, and it just happened to be the most convenient, easiest one when we got it. I'm by no means telling anyone that they should go with Boat Ed or not to go with Boat Ed because, honestly, it doesn't matter to us. As but, all things, do your research, make your best choice. They're not sponsoring us. Not at all. I can guarantee you that. And we're not getting five cents, so I'm not going to tell you you have to or should use any particular. <laughs> um, it, it worked for us. We did this years ago just before we got our cab, and we, we knew we were going to have motorized uh, boats available to us, and we just wanted to be prepared in case we needed to be out in them. So we had the cards. Uh, when I was just using the canoe, we didn't have so much uh, need for it. Everybody's doing good roundabout. Uh, we were talking about safety. Yeah, safety. The other thing, generally you should have a second means of, of moving your boat. So uh, with canoes, we almost all carry a spare paddle. But with a kayak, it's it's not as common. Uh, and it's, it is a, a bit of a thing that you want, might want to really consider how you could do something like that. Uh, if I'm going with, say, my wife and we're doing a long trip, sometimes we will have a spare paddle between us. Um, but we won't take a spare paddle for each boat necessarily because it just takes up a lot of room and we don't have a ton of that. But taking a spare paddle between us meant would mean that if we lost one or broke one paddle, we'd still have a way of getting out with it. Uh, and the fact is, it's possible that you could drop your paddle and if it's windy or if you're in a river, you could lose it and not, not be able to recover it in a timely fashion. So keep that in mind. It's a good idea to have something. Just have a backup plan in case you lose your paddle, because if you lose your paddle, then you're up the creek without it. <laughs> and the only other thing I might add is for newer operators, much like myself, buddy system. Don't go out to do waters alone and get yourself in over your head unless you got somebody that can back you up a little bit. Like when I was learning to kayak, quite literally, it was with Ben. I knew Ben was a strong kayaker. I knew if I got into trouble, he could at least, you know, save my butt. At, at worst case, he'd get me to shore. You know what I mean? And as Ben said, if you can tag the boat, great. If not, boats can be replaced. Human lives, generally, not so easy. Um. And do consider that you can get a lot of places with a canoe or a kayak or, or, or even an inflatable. Like we, we haven't talked about inflatables a lot here. They have their advantages and disadvantages too, but 
uh, you can get a lot of places that it's really hard to hike into. It's impossible to, say, bike or drive to. So you can get the places that is, no, no, is potentially yeah. going to be a lot harder to get rescued from. And that's the thing to keep in mind. Uh, if things do go go bad, if weather goes bad, you could be in a place where help won't get to you for a while. Uh, simply because they can't. They can't reasonably make it there. Uh, and if you want an example of that, if you've portaged in, made two to three portages to get to a lake, and the weather gets bad, I can guarantee you a helicopter's not coming in in bad weather. Mm-mm. And anyone else that has to get to you is using the same method or a similar method that you just did. So if it took you a day to get there, it's probably going to take them a day or two to get to you, even if they know where you're to. They don't know where you're to, it could even be longer. So that buddy system becomes very important. I was hoping I had some photos, and I do. Okay. So we were talking about uh, inflatable boats, and funny enough, this is what Melissa and I had taken out uh, last year, and I'm just going to flash it up. And you were talking about how it's easy to get into places. And it's literally just, oh, no, that's not the right one. That's still not the right one. There we go. Is it up there now, Ben? There. So this is uh, literally, we packed it onto the ATV. Yeah. It all just, we ratchet strapped it. You can see that I have the trolling motor there too. We just literally strapped the entire works to the ATV and started bombing down trails, looking for lakes, and we would set the whole thing up and off we'd go. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, so like, there's some of the lakes we could get to. It wasn't, uh, couldn't get to it really any other way. Oh, that's that's a whole other story there, but... And they're just that easy. Like I had a hand pump. This was also, you can see down below, uh, just a little electric pump pumped up the boat. And, uh, oh, I guess it's a Seahawk 4. I thought it was a Seahawk 6. But anyway, three people can get in this boat when you put the plywood in it. And it's actually not that bad on the water. So, like I said, inflatables have their spot. We were able to get a small trolling motor on it. And there I am floating down the river in style. Well, not the river, it's a lake. But you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, those little training motors are a lot of fun. Um, I, did I ever tell you when I put one on a canoe? Uh, no, I don't think you told me you put one on a canoe. So I have access to, it's not actually mine, but I have access to uh, a blue sun dolphin flatback canoe. And it's, say it's a flatback because the back portion, it's not much bigger than maybe like your size of a, your face, maybe mm-hmm. like I'm straight out. It just extrudes out and it's, this, it's there. You can mount a little trolling motor to it. So one day, cause I have a, I think it's a 50 pound thrust trolling motor. So I, I grabbed this little 50 pound tr- thrust trolling motor and I stuck on it and the, this probably has close to six feet of, of, uh, wiring to it so but because of where it sat and how far behind the seat it is i couldn't really get the battery in front of the seat without it being like in my way so i had to place it behind me so i'm in the back seat with a battery behind me and in this trolley motor probably three to four feet behind the seat um i'm sure you can picture where this is going so i I, i can picture where this is going i'm just waiting for the story to come out this whole thing's all set up and i get out into the lake and I reach back and I'm doing pretty good. You know, front end's a little light, but not, a, not bad. It's going to be okay. 
and I turn on the, the motor, like I just twist the handle, and it's a great one because when you twist it, it stays where it's too. It doesn't snap back, so you can sort of hands-free. Anyways, it took off, and the front end came up a little bit more, and the back end went down a little bit more. And next thing you know, water's washing in around the sides. So I reach back to turn the motor off, and it takes a lot of water in. So I jump to the front of the boat to even it out. But like I said, it's great. The motor keeps going. So now I'm heading across the lake with a boat that I have no control. <laughs> and every time I try to get back to get shut the motor off, it starts taking on water, which means it's heavier and taking on water easier. So now I'm sitting in a boat with probably three to four inches of water in it and the best method i can think of is to disconnect the battery but it's on full power and those wires are barely able to handle that so when i reach down to grab the battery terminal lugs are literally red hot like yep they... i kind of pictured how this entire story was gonna roll <laughs> and it did just on cue that was great so so uh, I did get the battery disconnected and shut it down and I did end up paddling it back and I took the trolling motor off and I've never tried to put a trolling motor on it again since. Well, you need a little uh, weight in the front and the, the benefit to the canoe. But you weren't around, Robert. I know, I know. And that would be too much weight in the front. Let's not get ourselves here. But the advantage to the canoe with those flatbacks and what we used to kind of do at Natural Resources would we get the, like the little one horsepower gas motors tanks yeah. little set up and stuff on them you could start them once again you kind of put them on midway and they walk to spot much the same then you can just take your paddle and you can just steer like you normally would as if you were canoeing down the road or down the yeah. road down the, the lake really? and it's actually pretty great oh yeah yeah no uh they're great quite a bit of fun and honestly i knew a guy he was he was quite into hunting and fishing and stuff and he had one and he, he used to set his up just off to the side, just tilted a little bit. And he'd turn it on just the lowest settings. And he'd paddle. And he said it was just like having a second paddler. It just gave him that extra power. He still had to do a lot of work to go. But he said it was like it was like power assist. And he loved that about it. So there's, a, there's definitely a spot to it. Now, again, if you have to portage... What's That's a lot of stuff to portage. I'm telling right. you that right now, that battery was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and that acid battery is probably 50 to 60 pounds. That trolley motor itself is probably 10, 15 pounds. Uh, it's a lot of stuff to be lugging around. I don't like lugging my battery around that much. I, I don't even like tra dragging it too much from the shed down to the boat, personally. And balancing everything and getting on the boat and getting it placed down. Once it's in, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So a couple comments from the from the comments. Um, so roundabout media portage is awkward the first time. Rent a canoe on top of the rack and trying to pull it off without knowing the technique makes for embarrassing memories. You know what? I've been in the situation when I was learning with natural resources. Uh, yeah, it it can make for some embarrassing memories. It can also make for some funny stories. It all just as you want to take it. Uh, but there is a technique to it. 100% sure. And that's like I said, if you're learning to use these boats, canoes, kayaks, stuff like that, buddy up with somebody that has a little bit of experience. Like you can learn from their past mistakes and save yourself from doing them right out of the hop. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen guys lift, put 
heavier kayaks and canoes on their their rigs than I'm putting on with much more ease because they just know how to do it. Exactly. There, there is a technique to it. And once you get the technique, like I'm no good at the technique. I kind of know the technique, but I'm really not that great with the technique. But once you get it down, man, it looks graceful. It's the only word I can say. It looks truly graceful. Uh, and that's why I've never been able to get it down because there's not a graceful bone in my body. <laughs> I, I've i seen the same thing, though. And you may have seen this. I, there's a video of a, she's probably a 90-pound woman picking up a Harley Davidson motorcycle i haven't actually seen that video but now you got me curious and she does it so slick and you're like i struggled to do that and she just you know she, she has a process and when she did it it just it oh you mean up. lift it off the ground like yeah. after i thought you meant like pick it up i'm sitting here going ben there's no way a 90 pound woman can pick no. a thousand pound motorcycle like off the ground yes no, no. i know the exact one you're talking about now and we used to show people how to do this yeah. Uh, in the motorcycle courses. And there is a technique to it. And that one, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. And people are better at that technique than I am. And I teach the dang course. <laughs> but <laughs> there, it is slick when it all goes the way it's supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Me and you will tend to do it just with brute force ignorance because we can. Something's but... got to give, right? Like the bike, me. Something's got to give. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, we've covered a fair bit, and we're going to cover a bit more yet, but, <laughs> um, I mean, we didn't even talk about paddles yet. And, yeah, yeah, I would like to hear a little bit about paddles as, uh, from your perspective. Once again, I know what I like about a paddle. Like, I like a good wooden, and once again, I'm drawing from my canoe experience, I like a good uh, open face paddle with the holes drilled in it, believe it or not. I didn't know I liked that until I tried it. Yeah. Yep. You find the holes make a difference? I find you lose a little in the power stroke, but when you J-stroke out, I'm bad for not picking the paddle up out of the water. And if you don't 100% get the blade face, like going through the water right, I find it compensates a little for that and over a long period saves a little fatigue, but you probably lose it in what you lose through the power stroke. So I have been told... And I have read and I've researched. And a lot of times they say a good paddle is more important than a good boat. And say with your kayak or whatever, you're going to spend the money. Some people recommend you spend the money on the paddle more so than the boat. Because you're moving the paddle all the time. It's constantly moving. And it's what they say will wear you out. Uh, they talk a lot about kayaks and stuff for that. Like getting a nice lightweight well-fitted paddle, well, you'll be able to paddle all day with it. Mm. Um, and knowing well, how to use that paddle. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this. I have oftentimes with the cheaper paddles available because it's what I, I could afford at the time. Uh, the one I have for my kayak is a Pelican Angler, I think it's called. And it's actually a decent one. I have the one with the metal shaft. There's one with a carbon fiber shaft that's even lighter. Um, but yeah, they say when you drop those few ounces, that makes a big difference. Uh, and I can see that, uh, especially if you are worried about being tired. Um, so far, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> uh, 
it hasn't been a huge concern for me, but as I'm sure as I age, as, 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 as things become potentially more difficult, if I don't keep up that, you know, these are things that I may really want to take into consideration. Uh, I still do use the brute force and ignorance method for way more than I probably should. Um, and there are paddles designed for the water types. I, I often use this, the square end mm. style paddle. Uh, and it's not necessarily the most efficient. And I have researched them. I want to try. Have you seen the Greenland paddle for no. kayaking? So it, for lack of a better description to me, reminds me of a piece of two by four. Uh, it's long and narrow. It's shaped. It flattens out at the ends. And, and a sort of like gracefully come into about the center to where your hands are where it's thinner and as you paddle you you can paddle like you would a regular kayak paddle or in certain instances you just slide your hands to one side or the other so if you want more power on one side you can actually use it like a a, a paddle because it's not all that wide you put your hand on the end but they say that they're very efficient and very useful and they were used in in greenland by the people from greenland whatever I don't name, not naming, <laughs> but that's where it was developed. <laughs> See, shaking your head, don't even. I'm not. Me. I'm not taking a chance. You shouldn't <laughs> either. Just leave it at that. <laughs> but that's, I believe, where it was developed. Uh, but I mean, the kayak, I believe, originally was more of like an Inuit design. Like they used uh, a kayak-like design. Uh, so that was, you know, it's more i think i believe it came from north america and for like, other places developed like a canoe and then you know when the, was it the pioneers came here they used canoes but uh you know the advantages of, of one or the other but the nice thing with the kayak is you do have those two blades so you're constantly moving you, you can do an even thing like with the canoe you mentioned the j stroke and there's a lot of other strokes that you can learn and, and stuff you're if you're not good with canoe you're always constantly switching one side or the other otherwise you're you're just going to go in a circle yeah right and what the kayak, oh sorry go ahead i see kayak is actually easier to learn yeah it took me a minute to get onto it um because i was trying to take my canoe experience and translate it to a kayak and the first thing i had to do was be like all right i'm going to compartmentalize that set it to the side Relearn how to paddle on a kayak, and then it was great. But you've yeah. seen yourself, like, the first couple hundred feet was a struggle for me. Yeah. But it it is fairly intuitive. Like, to, to pick up, strike, and learn, I think the kayak is actually the easier one to learn. Um, it's harder to get into a kayak, especially a sit-in one, to begin with. But it is easier, I think, to learn to paddle. Like, it's... Uh, the learning curve for that is a, is a, a little quicker. And uh, I mean, there's a lot you can learn to still, but canoe, the, the learning curve for that's pretty steep and goes for a long while. And I mean, I'm still learning and I've owned canoes for years and years. I've never really taken a professional course or anything. So I, I got I, one up on you on a canoe. Do I, I've taken two professional canoe courses. <laughs> That doesn't mean you can out paddle. Oh, I know I can't. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, so, 
A question from the comments, just while we're on it here, is uh, Scott was asking, do you guys use a kayak paddle in a solo canoe? Um, yes. I was going to say, I think Ben does. I tend to just use a canoe paddle, honestly, and I use a J-stroke. Uh, with a canoe, if anybody's wondering, like uh, with a canoe paddle, it's basically, you know, single handle, single face, and you got to paddle from one side and switch to the other side, or you got to use uh, a stroke like a J stroke, where you're power stroking through forward and then you kind of flip it off at the end to offset the turn of the canoe, which, you know, until you get the technique down, uh, you don't move far because. <laughs> It's kind of counterproductive. So the use of a kayak paddle, whereas you have two faces on either end of the, the handle and you can, you know, kind of roll on either side, which, as Ben said, it is more intuitive um, to be able to pick up and kind of make work because it's almost like pedaling a bike with your hands. So it's fairly common. So I have a few canoes and, and I want more. And if anyone's giving away canoes, just throwing that out <laughs> i have a few canoes and oftentimes if i take them for a trip my favorite thing to do is take both a paddle and a kayak paddle and for long straight runs and stuff i prefer to use the kayak paddle and i generally sit in in my canoe backwards on the front seat so i'm more centered and I use my kayak paddle and I just go that way. And then when I get into trickier, more confined areas or, or places where I need to, to have a little bit more finesse, I'll oftentimes just drop the kayak paddle inside the boat. I'll separate it and poke it away and I'll get my little paddle paddle out and I'll and I'll finesse into it and I'll get to do the things that, you know, I prefer that for. So I, I do use both. And there are canoes out there and the one that comes to mind i believe my brother owns it is the uh the next can't remember who makes it but it's it's called the next canoe and it's a bit of a hybrid it's it's canoe shaped and looked the seat's a bit more like a kayak and it's very centered and you can use either paddle in it very easily um so there are ones that are kind of a bit of a hybrid of both and allows for that but yes i definitely do uh there's a lot of advantages to taking the kayak paddle in a canoe and i find with the kayak paddle i can easily keep up with kayakers in my canoe hmm. where when i'm in with the paddle i do find i struggle a little bit more keeping up with the speed of the kayaks kayaks tend to be a little bit faster underwater um than canoes uh that being said, somebody who's really good with a canoe probably can match or beat a kayak if it's if it's set up right. If they have an appropriately sized canoe, a good strong, you know, form and a and proper paddle, they can probably, if not keep up, even potentially beat. So I mean, it's, there's. There's no set rule here, which is faster. Generally, the longer the boat, the higher speed you can get. Is that true now? I suppose, because yeah. it'd be more stable. It would hold straighter and you'd get less side-to-side -side flip. So you'd focus yeah. more going forward? There, there's there's a whole math to it, but there is like uh, a max haul speed for almost every boat. And it is it is based off the length of the of the 
the the boat and there's a few other parameters but generally the longer the boat generally the more speed you can potentially get out of it to a to a to a limit uh the other thing that a lot of people probably don't realize is although the harder you paddle the faster you tend to go uh it's not a linear acceleration uh, there is a point of diminishing returns Oh, it's, it's a very, and it becomes very apparent. And I've really discovered it with uh, using the GPS. Me and a, a buddy of mine, Martin, we were out. Uh, I think we were doing Lake Pinook, down by Windsor. Long, a very long, thin lake. No, it wasn't that, that wasn't the name of the lake. It was a different lake. But it's the same idea. It's, it's down there between uh, Chester and... Uh, and Windsor, Sackville area, that little corner of, of the province, there's a bunch of lakes in there. We are back there canoeing one time, and we were trying to make some distance. So I had the GPS set up in the front, and I think I clocked us, and we were doing about six kilometers an hour, and we weren't paddling very hard. And then we said, well, let's, let's just push it and see what we can get. And we broke a little over seven or eight kilometers an hour. Like, mm. By full push, and I mean, like, to me, it felt like we were putting in three and four times the energy. And we were only getting, like, a kilometer more over what we were getting. Like, it, you know, by putting in three times the energy, I wasn't getting three times the speed. I wasn't even getting 30% more speed. You know what I mean? Like, No, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Because uh, a fellow I used to work with at Natural Resources, uh, Rockwood, uh, him and I, when we were taking these courses, had a very similar experience. He was pretty good uh, with a canoe. He had been boats all his life. I was learning at that point. But we're like, you know what? We're coming back. There's a group of like eight of us. We're like, let's drive it and see how, how you know, let's really get back. Because we were young, dumb, and full of a lot of energy that we probably could have used elsewhere better. But uh, anyway, we drove it hard for like 30 solid minutes. We landed back and we were just dead. Like, completely exhausted. And we might have got back five minutes sooner. Maybe yeah. less. Over a 30-minute period. You know what I mean? Like, uh, So there was one more question. Uh, da, 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 da. Has anyone any experience with dugout canoes? I've always wanted to make one. So I've never been in one. Uh, my physique might be a little tricky to get in a dugout canoe from Nova Scotia because we don't have trees that are that big. However, I have watched one being made uh, for a smaller individual, and it's actually kind of a really neat process. I, I haven't been in one. Uh, I've seen the birch bark ones being made, and uh, I haven't gotten in one of those either, although I would gladly do it. Um, no, I haven't uh, tried. And I have seen ones, uh, trees around here, Robert, that could easily take you. In a oh yeah they're here there's just few and far between like around here you're getting into like a, a good hardwood tree um i mean you hear about the birch bark canoes and stuff like that but you, you have to have a decent tree that's not going to split uh so it has to be fairly dense but it can't be too dense or it'll sink like there's, there's a little bit of science that goes into it as well so but i mean generally as you hollow it out it tends to float better so keep that in mind <laughs> but no I, i've seen them made and it's literally you just cut a nice good size log down uh they flatten one side they basically you know 
chisel the two ends in they hollow some of the middle out and then they throw some coals in it and burn it down to a reasonable depth and then use whatever to kind of finish it off and i've also seen a lot of them ruined as well where they've gone too deep in spots but uh it's it doesn't sound like a hard process but it is a significant amount of work if uh, anybody wanted to undertake this it, it's very doable but don't expect to hammer one out in like a few hours in the evening or something. No, no. Um, probably start with something a bit simpler. Uh, maybe try to learn how to carve your own yoke or, or yeah. a paddle. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I mean, the concept is great. And, and if you have the time and space and resources to do it, I, I, I would highly recommend you try it because I think it would be an, an awesome experience. But uh, I want to try it someday, but I need to have the right setup. And by right setup, I mean I have to have a place where I can put this thing and work on it reliably without it getting pushed aside and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, have a good night, Scott, if you're heading out there, buddy. Uh, but can you tie yourself some $200 inflatables? Waste of money, good entry level to try out. Steve. Uh, those $200 inflatables that you're talking about, if you've seen the picture of mine, once again, because it's still open there, like uh, the, the Seahawk that I have here, the Seahawk 4, I guess, uh, it was a little on the higher end at the time. you got to remember, I bought this thing back in like 2000, I'm going to say like 2006. I think there was one out for 150 and. Canadian Tire when I was into it today. I was going to say, they have dropped in price. The only thing I would suggest is just make sure the material's decent quality. Uh, the one I got was a gem. Like, it's nice, thick, hard PVC uh, pl uh, rubber. So, it, like, it's pretty durable. But I know some of the real cheap ones, like you can get, like, the Seahawk one or something like that. It's basically a rubber dinghy, and the first time it touches a rock, you're going to poke a hole in it. So that's the only thing there is just check the reviews. And as long as they say they're somewhat durable, they are a great entry level if you just want to get out and do some basic boating on a flat lake with very little wind. The the big, I mean, like anything, there's pluses and minuses. The big thing I kind of like about the concept of these is you can probably put them back in the back of your of any car. Like you can deflate, deflate these things, stick them in the back of a small car. You could strap them to the back of a motorcycle if you had to. Uh, and you could go somewhere with it where a rigid hauled boat, you have to stick it to your roof or you have to have something big enough to put it in the back of like you're limited in how you can move it. We have one of those inflatable uh, sups and that's actually surprisingly fun, like an awfully fun. And I think you could do like a backwoods trip with it and it weighs virtually nothing. I think they're like 20, 25 pounds. Uh, it can carry like 350, 400 pounds. Uh, and although it's inflatable, once it's fully inflated, because I think the pressure on it is something like 30, 35 PSI, it's surprisingly solid. Like there's not a lot of flex, not a lot of give on it. When you're standing on under, underwater, you don't notice a, a huge flex to it. <clears throat> Deflection from the front to the back's probably no more than an inch or two really and that is one uh, thing i'll mention like with the seahawks uh they have a tendency if you pump them up too hard to get that nice stiff feel that they'll start scalloping so you kind of got to leave them somewhere between not super soft but not super hard and you do get a fair bit of flex that's why i mentioned dropping like the plywood in the bottom of mine takes that flex out 
But uh, no, I wouldn't knock one. Just be aware of its limitations. Yep. Uh, you know, if you, it'll take a harder impact, but it's more likely to rip. And once it rips, it's going to lose air. Uh, so. And he did mention that a multi-chamber one seems important. I'm going to be honest with you. The multi-chamber thing sounds great in theory. But if one chamber goes down, buddy, you're, you're sinking. Like, that's all there is to it. Those other little chambers tend to not hold you up more. Uh, it'll just allow the boat itself to basically float as you're swimming back. I mean, my Seahawk 4, I think, has three chambers. Uh, and if the one I'm sitting on deflates, it's about the only one that could deflate and the whole boat won't sink. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, true. Um, but no, I, I think they're great um, for, for their purpose. Yeah. I, I you know some guys have the ones that you wade in. Yep. So it's it's boat-esque, and they say they're great for fishing and stuff. I just, you know, wouldn't be a, a backwoods camper necessarily. Now, you say that, and someone would have come right and proved me wrong. See, I do it all the time. Well, that's great. I was about but... to say, imagination's yeah. your only limitation. Yeah. I mean, but uh, I, I would even consider doing a camping trip on a sup. I would consider doing it in an inflatable kayak. I would consider doing it in almost anything that can carry me and my load. Uh, but, uh, you know, find what works for you. Uh, and that's, that's the big thing. What are you comfortable with? What can move what you need to move? And what's going to get you out there? Uh, I guess it's like a lot of things. What's the best? What's the best boat? The best boat is the one you have because it's going to get you there. Exactly. You know, a boat that you have to spend ten years saving up for might be an awesome boat, but that's ten years you didn't get to go out in the woods with it. So if you can get, and that, that's the theory I go with. I bought a fiberglass boat last year. I only got it out a couple of times so far. I didn't pay a ton of money for it. I'm going to get it out there. I'm going to use it, and I've already used it. Um, there are beautiful ones at a lot of the dealerships around here, like the, the canoe and kayak style stores that are, you know, are better, better, uh, canoes and kayaks, but I don't own it and I'm not going to own it anytime soon. So it won't get me out there simply because I won't get in one because I can't afford it. If you're willing to shop around, you can find some pretty good options. I, I would highly recommend the little pelicans, the little pelican kayaks. Though, mm. uh, most of those weigh in at under forty pounds. Uh, are and fairly decent priced if you keep an eye on places like Crappy Tire. Yeah, uh, Crappy Car Tire Costco usually has a good sale. I think they had some last week. I didn't see it, but I, it's COVID, but. Uh, it did come on a site my my wife follows that they had a few, uh, but yeah, there's usually some pretty good sales on those, uh, and I have one. I have a couple actually. I have a ten foot and an eight foot. The eight foot's for the children, uh, and the ten foot's for me. And honestly, it's more than adequate to get me out for trips and stuff. And I can pick it up, hook it over a shoulder, and walk. I don't need to worry about carts or anything, and I can I can carry that a distance. At, 37 pounds i think mine weighs in and it's durable like I, i'm not saying you could go down and bash it down a whitewater river but if you're going to be somewhat reasonable with it it's going to take a pretty good pounding and you'll be coming out of it with the all smiles and happiness right <laughs> 
But um, in any case, we are coming up fairly late. It's actually uh, almost quarter to ten. Uh, we're at an hour and ten minutes like we normally are, so I guess we should be trying to wind yeah. this down a tiny bit. I, I'm looking at boats now. While you were talking, I was looking at Canadian Tire going, oh, there are some good sales on boats. Well, I mean, this is almost two years you've been hinting that you'd like to get one. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm openly admit that I'm full of excuses for it. It seems like every time I get, I get, it's within sight, something comes and takes the that that financial burden off my shoulders for me. <laughs> I uh, I said, if you want to get out, you can always call me up. I'm sure I can loan you something. And I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to just borrow a kayak for this year. And ultimately, I think my plan is, and I hate doing it, start of next year or maybe the end of this year. I'm just putting it on a credit card and I'll make payments. That's the only way I'm going to do it. But, uh, well, I still got one I'm willing to sell you. Do you accept credit card? <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that on my bed. Yeah, that's right. Just, just nod and smile, bud. Nod and smile. <laughs> but oh. uh, anyway, yeah, no. Boating's a ton of fun. I've always loved it. Uh, and it's funny. I get seasick super easy. So if anybody's wondering out there, you don't necessarily get seasick in a kayak and canoe like you would in a larger boat. And sometimes it's vice versa. Some people don't get sick in uh, larger <clears throat> boats and they get sick in smaller boats. So before you do dump like a thousand plus dollars on a boat, you should probably try one because uh, that, that's one of the things I did was I wanted to try. I knew I was okay with canoes uh, and I seemed to be all right with kayaks. It didn't bother me at all. Now, if it was really rough weather, maybe it would. I don't know. Um, I can't remember the name. I think they're set up in Fall River, though. Old Creole maybe the name of it, something like that. Um, there's a few places around that will let you test drive the canoe or kayak before you use it. Mm. They're, they're set up on the lakes and stuff. Uh, and it's worth checking those places out and getting in there. And although you may spend a dollar or two more there than you might say at Cabela's or Canadian Tire, you will leave knowing that that's something that you, you're going to like and it's going to work. Where you go into a store a box store and they're going to sell you one and maybe you save a couple of bucks, but you've never sat in it and you get out there and maybe it's not comfortable. Maybe it's not the right size. Maybe it's not capable of what you want. So it's worth trying um, and getting a quality one if you can do it. But in the meantime, like I said, the one you can afford, the one you can get is, is still pretty good. So that's me. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good spot to try and tidy her up here tonight. Chances are we'll hit this topic again at some point in a later date as more questions roll in. Because as we said right at the start, we could do an entire series on this. Uh, and we love to talk like normal. So, <laughs> But uh, maybe we'll see now what, 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 what circumstances provide. Maybe we can even get a, a video or two of us showing some of the aspects of some of the boats that I have access to. Um and that might be an interesting show in the in the near, or in the mid future. Yeah, in, near... in the future where COVID, you know, 
buggers the hell off at least a little bit. We can just get those numbers less than 300, you know, less than three digits a day. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and with that, I bid everybody adieu, unless you have anything else to say tonight there, Ben. No, nah, get out there, have fun. Uh, it might be the only thing we can do these days. So. <laughs> Very true. Night, everybody. Hey,